you are listening to the Blue Nation podcast. Hello, my name is Ben and you are listening to the Blue Nation podcast. On the agenda today, we're discussing whether children should be allowed to take the vaccine, Nissan betting on a post-Brexit Britain, discussing whether Trump will run again in 2024 and whether political opportunism should be stopped in the wake of Euro 2020. So let's crack on with the show. So the first topic today is whether children should be allowed to take the vaccine and it is it has been approved for children for use. Uh, it is safe for children to take it. The main issue is should they be taking the vaccine itself? First, do they need to? And secondly, should they be allowed? So first is do they need to? And it's a difficult topic. And it's but the thing is, do they need to? It's not so much about the safety of children because while there are a few children have very sadly passed away because of COVID, it's very minimal. Uh, so the only reason they'd be taking the vaccine is to stop herd immunity and is to, no raise herd immunity even. And that would mean that more older people and more vulnerable people then uh, would be less likely to die from COVID by catching it from children. And schools at the moment are where COVID is spreading the most. And, you know, as a school child myself, Every there's been various outbreaks I've known from across the, my whole area uh, from where I live, and this shows no sign of stopping because children aren't vaccinated. And this the thing with the vaccine, they're still quite unsure whether you can still transmit the virus, and the cases are rising. And Baba well, for the summer now, thankfully, that um, going back in September, it could still be an issue, it could even be a bigger issue. And also it's a bit harmful on the learning of students when many of them are having to isolate and many have exams like me coming up very soon. As, and no one likes to isolate. It's not fun, it's not enjoyable and it hinders your education. So there's our argument for firstly head immunity and secondly, to stop the isolation. But the main point is, like, you know, children are classed as very protective in society, and I would obviously be influenced by this decision. I, at the moment, cannot take the vaccine, but I might be allowed to, and I'd personally take it. Um, it shouldn't be mandatory at all, for, definitely not for children, in my opinion. But for the benefit of others to give children chemicals, you know, it's a very tricky topic. And I'd imagine the vaccine turnout would be a lot less for children than it has been for adults. And uh, I'd imagine most people would take it, but they need to be clever about how they do it. And they have to prove that it's safe and they need to provide benefits. Um, as you know, many parents will be a bit hostile to this, even if they took the vaccine themselves and fully believe in its success. But when, as cases rise, and well, on summer holidays now, it's, going to be a bit of a tricky situation. They need to make a decision quick. Uh, the final thing they need to do first, I believe, though, is to focus on 
all adults. They need to get um, as many adults as possible taking the vaccine. I've literally got a, just a notification on my phone. It's that two thirds of all, all adults have now received their first dose of, of the coronavirus vaccine. So that's great news. But we're talking about children and uh, it definitely will be a tricky subject and there will be many challenges to it. Um, but yeah, the government needs to be very clever about this. I'm not sure myself. I would personally support children taking a vaccine and the government supporting it. And I believe they should do it in a school setting, much like they do for the MMR vaccines or uh, tetanus or anything like that. It shouldn't, should be internal within schools and that may help raise people taking a vaccine as it's almost seen as not compulsory but um, needed and don't get me wrong it would help a lot because many children are spreading COVID to different people to vulnerable people you know people going in school with thousands of others with because uh, you know you can't social distance in schools and it's very difficult to have these coronavirus measures and they're trying their best but it's hard to do it and then they go home and then they see their grandparents and then they get COVID and then they could sadly pass away and so it is a difficult topic and hopefully they make a decision soon uh, but yeah that's my opinion on it. Now the next topic for today is Nissan and more so Nissan investing one billion pounds into the plant in Sunderland. Now this is a great deal. This is a great news when we need it the most. When we're bouncing back from a recession and the economic recovery of the UK is a lot better than forecast. About 20% higher uh, across the board on every single aspect. And that's great news, especially on a post-Brexit Britain where, you know, only, is it, yeah, seven months after uh, we left the single market and we left the customs union and everything like that. So it shows that companies are still betting on us because many people uh, were saying, and a lot of fear-mongering, that many manufacturers, especially car manufacturers, were going to leave the UK. There's no chance that's going to happen simply because the markets uh, in the UK are too great that, you know, uh, people aren't going to, you know, car market is rising and we're moving more, even though we're slightly behind some other countries, we're moving forward to an electric car society. And from 2030 onwards, petrol and diesel cars will be banned from being sold. So this is great news. And they've invested, it's going to create 4.5 thousand jobs in the region across the UK line. And this is great news and it's really beneficial. You know, it shows that we can survive on our own. We can survive without the EU and we can survive after COVID. It shows that we've been on our recovery. And I think this is very important. Um, and I was recently reading Barack Obama's book called A Promised Land and a part of that, he talked about David Cameron and his austerity measures and with George Osborne as well. And I, the government have ruled it out, but I don't think anyone wants to see a return to austerity. And here's a bit of a cut punch uh, that austerity actually ended in 
2019, Zaya Javid announced it very soon after he became the chancellor um, in a short reign. But, you know, after having nine years of austerity and COVID hit within months like that, you know, it was a good punch. Uh, and I don't think anyone's returned to that. That devastated many aspects. Many argue it was necessary and, you know, I completely understand where you're coming from. But maybe we could look to a more Obama approach and what he did in having more investment in schemes to, you know, raise the production, the economic profile with a Green New Deal. And that's, I think that's great. I think that's something that we need desperately. And, you know, having this, this investment, it says president for other companies to invest in the UK at a high levels and we can make a great economy we have a great chance and like we discussed in the last video about Cannes UK we can be a great economy yeah we can be a powerhouse nation when it comes to economic levels but like uh, when it's talking about Cannes UK that would put us at the third largest economy in the world we need to have these decisions. We need to have this investment. And it's great that we're getting it. And I'm really pleased. And now the next topic, and a very interesting topic, uh, a very divisive topic as well. Uh, we're coming to non-controversy, but some more analysis. And that is, will Trump run again in 2024? So recently on the Candace Owens show, he revealed that he was thinking about uh, running in 2024, but very much strongly hinted towards that possibility without directly saying it. Uh, what he essentially said, he's not going to make a decision. It's a bad idea to be campaigning so early, but we're in a very, he said, we're in a very good position. So, you know, it's a, he's going to run again. And, you know, personally, I'm non-American and the Republicans are very different from the UK conservatives or European conservative groups. Um, but I feel as though, uh, from an outside looking in, they need a new role model. They need a new leader. And I'd probably propose Ron DeSantis, who is the current governor of Florida, who is very popular, uh, and especially in Florida, which is a very much of a swing state, apart from the last election. Uh, when it went to Republican, even though Joe Biden won the election. But, yeah, he's very popular, and he very much embodies that movement. And it can be seen very similar to the Trump movement. And there are others, like, like Nikki Haley, who used to be the UN dipl uh, senior diplomat, and Mike Pence, who's the vice president, and a few others that have been part of the Trump administration over the years have been tutored as potential runners. But if Trump runs, make no mistake, he will win that nomination. And then it will be a Trump versus Biden. You know, there's been some debate whether Biden's too old, but unless, you know, uh, you know, he will likely run again in 2024, go for a second term until he's 88, which is a very old age to be uh, the president of America. But, you know, it's... It's not necessarily unprecedented. Uh, most persons are older because they've got more experience. And I don't know there have been some talk about whether he's showing early signs of cognitive decline. 
you know, it's probably, probably does, but it still can ruin the country. However, if Republicans choose Trump again, which will probably happen, I really struggle to see them winning the presidency. First reason, because the last election was Trump versus Biden, and the result of that was Biden winning, despite what Trump tries to claim. And it'll likely repeat this scenario if it happens again, especially in the same matchup. And let's not forget, I think, in my opinion, had Trump in November sort of went quiet a bit, sort of accepted the result, made a concession, and then just like slowly worked toward a transition to the Biden administration, he would have been in a very more favorable position and a very much more respected position. However, after many baseless claims of voter fraud and the January 6th insurrection seen earlier this year, it's very much left the bad taste in people's mouths and many more moderate Republicans where they might have been teetering on the edges of Trump or Biden, probably more leaning towards Trump, they've completely swifted away from him. And, you know, it'll be hard for him to uh, run again because he'll face much opposition and I struggle to see him running. And also, at the moment, he is banned from all social media platforms. He's filing a lawsuit against them, but that probably will fail. It's only for attention he's really doing that. So, yeah, he. I think he's blown his chances. Um, so, so, yeah, it is a difficult position. And I struggle to see him, like, he won't go quiet. Let's not act like he is. Even if he decides not to run again, he will not go quiet. It will be hard to change the Republican, the conservative voters in America away from Trump to more moderate or more um, respected Republicans like Ron DeSantis, like Mike Pence, like Nikki Haley, like whoever it may be, like Tom Cotton. Uh, so, yeah, it's a difficult position and there's still a lot of time to decide, but it's always fun to speculate on who might run uh, for the presidency of America. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And now the final topic today, the final topic of our launch, which is the first three episodes, is about Euro 2020. And that is, should political opportunism be stopped? So political opportunism, essentially explain what it is. It's when politicians use the opportunity of a hopeful moment in the UK, hopeful moment in the country, uh, such as the England football team reaching the finals of the Euros and sort of uh, using that and saying it's coming home and having St George's flags flying around and showing themselves as patriots and supporters. And many people have bashed that and said that it's not right, that they're simply diluting a powerful moment in the country, a hopeful moment. Uh, simply for political gains to raise their profile levels. And this has been seen uh, for Petit Patel and Boris especially. Uh, but the issue is, is it bad? I don't think so. I really struggle to... I really don't think that it is. And the reason is, is because many people, when the football team is on, when there's 
powerful moment like this, uh, we'll watch the game. We'll watch the matches, regardless of whether you're a football fan or not, purely because it has the power to unite the country. And, you know, Pretty Patel and Boris Johnson are two of those who probably would watch the Master. That's not like, you know, Boris Johnson has been last few games, but he's probably been watching the matches themselves as a supporter, as a fan. You know, they might not be the most, um, you know, the most elite or the most passionate football fans in the world, but they can still support the team. I don't necessarily think it's a bad issue. If they want to do that, then it's possible. It's good. And the thing is, if they hadn't done that, that would have been seen as very detrimental. It would be seen as though they're anti-patriot or they don't care about the country. And, it's, you know, it's important to be hopeful. It's important to be well-liked. But like we were talking about Barack Obama earlier in the show, uh, he was a very well-liked president because of his attitude. And people didn't bash him when he made comments like that. Uh, so, no, I don't think it's a bad issue. I don't think it's a problem. And anyone that does, um, they're being a bit hypocritical because they'll be supporting the team as well, uh, provided you're not Scottish, Welsh, or Northern Irishman. You might be supporting England, and I say thank you. Uh, but you might support your own team. So, you know, it's a very complex issue. I don't think we should stop at any time. I think it's quite nice to see your Prime Minister and your Home Secretary supporting the national teams and the sporting success and the success in science and academics and whatever it may be. They're not trying to claim it's their success. And this is a key distinction that people need to make. And yeah, that's essentially it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Amanda, we're in early days, so we're still trying to develop things. And I mentioned my name at the start because a few of you are asking. Uh, my name is Ben, and yeah, I'm committed to showing the people's opinions and the people's views with open-minded debate and non-controversial political analysis. So I've, I hope you've enjoyed the show, and stick around for next time. The best way you can support the project is by subscribing, whether that's on podcasts or on YouTube, and sharing various videos and podcasts. So if you do that, that would be so appreciated. That would mean so much. And have a great day. Until next time, goodbye.